Yo, 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 part two of my Eagles Saints recap. So, usually I only get one guest for these episodes, but to this week I was lucky enough to get two. So, I got my guy Quinn with me today. We're going to recap the Eagles and the Saints game. I'm going to just ask him a lot of things. He's a Saints fan in California. I want to know what made him a Saints fan in the first place. Uh, I want to know what, what his expectations were going into yesterday's game. I want to know about their positions. I want to know if he thinks that Alvin Kamara and Michael Thomas are the best at their positions because they have a pretty deep team. I want to see just how deep he thinks the team is. I want to know pretty much what his expectations are going into the playoffs because, you know, when you have a 41-year-old quarterback, it's pretty much Super Bowl or bust. I mean, I really wouldn't say a bust, but Drew Brees doesn't have much time left. So you pretty much got to win the Super Bowl for him if you plan on getting another ring. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about who the top teams in East Conferences are, uh, the AFC and the NFC. We're going to talk about who is the MVP this year. And we're also going to talk about what makes an MVP. It's a really, really broad conversation. So we're going to get into that. On the other side, me and my guy Quinn. Let's get right into it. Mr. Krabs, I'm sorry, but it's just a game, you know? Ooh. Welcome to another episode of the It's Just a Game podcast, people. This is part two of the Eagle Saints recap. Now, I got my guy Quinn with me, so introduce yourself, Quinn. Well, I'm Quinn. Uh, I'm a student at Dan Patrick School of Sports Casting. Um, I don't have a podcast myself, but that'll be coming out hopefully next week. I'll be able to get the first episode out. Uh, name of that is going to be post-game shenanigans, so we should have some fun on that, and I'm excited to be here. I wish I could be talking about a Saints win, but props <laughs> to you, man. Thank you, thank you. I um, So, the last time we had a win was November 1st, so pardon me if I don't feel any sympathy for your team right now, because it's been, <laughs> it's been, it's been way too long since we've won a game. I mean, I can't even... Even the last game that we won wasn't even a real a real good game. It was a, a terrible performance against Dallas. So I feel like we haven't won a game in like a month and a half, honestly. It's been a long time coming. No, I mean you guys you guys outplayed us. You earned that win. Um so I mean you should definitely feel good about your team, feel good about Jalen Hurts. And yeah, you guys came to play. So you don't feel any sympathy for me. <laughs> I mean uh, I guess the Saints would do for a loss, especially when you come out looking like that. Yeah, especially it's kind of tough for you guys because you got Kansas City next week, so this is a game you really could not afford to lose. And now you lost, you lost the number one seed. Now I think Green Bay has it. So and you know now this year there's only one first round bye, so that number one seed is like a really big deal. And before you know it was a number one and number two seed. Now that number two seed, you're pretty much just you're pretty much the same as the number three seed, pretty much so. Yeah, and look, home field advantage this year isn't that big of a deal. We're mostly just focused on that first round bye. And if we lose that, you know, it is what it is, especially with, you know, the way the NFL is going this year. The only thing I'll say about home field advantage is if Green Bay does have that through the playoffs, they're, I think, the only team in the NFC that can actually benefit from that because it's up in Green Bay, colder weather. Saints going on the road, Saints going on the road, playing a cold weather game is historically challenging. So I do think Green Bay will have a home field advantage more so than any other team that gets the one seed. So it's a bummer. It's a bummer we don't get that first round bye. If you know, if less 
we're not in control of our own destiny anymore. So, you know, true. We really, we really couldn't afford to drop that one, and we did. Yeah, you couldn't, man. And they, I mean, our defense came out playing pretty well. I mean, we had a couple stops, and the only thing that really gave me solace into the fact, I'm like, okay, maybe we can win this game, is the fact that Taysom Hill was the one that played, and I know he's a mobile quarterback, and we've struggled with. Like, if you look at our run defense, like this year, the numbers don't look pretty. But outside of, I think, the second Giants game, we really haven't given up a lot of yards to running backs. I mean, I know um, – I can't remember who we played. Green Bay. So, Aaron Jones had like an 80-yard touchdown run against us last week to ice the game. But outside of that run, we didn't give up many running yards to him. I mean, we've given up running plays to uh, the Steelers. They were running. They were killing us with reverses. The Rams killed us with reverses. The uh, Lamar Jackson killed us with – read options and quarterback runs and Daniel Jones both games he killed us with these long runs so it's been a lot of reverses it's been a lot of read options it's been a lot of quarterback runs it really hasn't been a lot of guys like a lot of teams that has been able to just line up mono mono and just run the ball down the throat and I'll tell you what that's that's been our success ever since we put Taysom into the lineup we've been able to run more of a power run offense um whether it be with Latavius Murray Camara or even Taysom Hill on that quarterback power. I think we tried that quarterback power only a, one or a handful of times. And the time that comes to mind right off the bat is that fourth down play that just got stuffed. So, you know, it's, you guys have a really good front four um, and yeah, you shut the run down, but not only that, but you know, when we got down 17, nothing, we weren't able to go and try to establish the run in the second half because we had to start throwing the ball. I mean, you saw Taysom throw the ball 37 times and that's not, a recipe for success when a guy in his fourth start in the NFL is throwing the ball 37 right. times trying to come back 17 nothing. But even but, saying all, sorry, go for it. No, I was going to say the only reason I would say it's a good idea is because I mean, we lost Avante Maddox, we lost uh, Rodney McLeod, and we lost Darius Slay. I mean, we had guys in there that were just playing. I mean, we had a guy we just called up from the practice squad. I forgot what it's Kavon something. I forgot what his name is. And uh, Kayvon Wallace in there, and we just really had a lot of backup players in there. So that's the and you guys did take advantage of that like late in the game once all those guys went down. So that's the only reason I could say it is a good idea to do that. But you really can't run on our team like that much. It's really like just lining up, just going straight up away to us with Latavius Murray. Like we are really good at stopping that because yeah. Like you said, our front four is, like, really, really good. Yeah, definitely. And, I mean, if you watch the two games against the Falcons and the Broncos, that's where we were gaining our yards. I mean, obviously, we're using some of the uh, some of those deep balls with, with Taysom. And, you know, he was picking apart some zone defense. But you guys are running, you know, a lot of man. You were putting pressure on Taysom, getting pressure up the middle. And our interior line has been a source of weakness for the last couple of weeks, uh, especially with Pete just completely regressing and almost disappearing. Um, so yeah, I mean, it wasn't a recipe for success. He was under pressure. He didn't handle, Taysom was under pressure. He didn't handle the pressure well. And it really showed until we made some adjustments in the second half. And by then it was too little too late. And given all of that, the Saints were still, had plenty of opportunities to come away with that comeback, to sneak out of Philadelphia with a win. And, you know, we didn't execute. We didn't execute almost the entire game. And especially when it mattered. Yeah, I agree. I mean, you guys probably should have won that game. And, you know, we're up 17 nothing. We're feeling good. And then we get the ball back again because we get another stop. And we're dropping the ball down. Jalen Hurts gets a couple of scrambles. 
gets us down the field, and we're like, okay, 20 to nothing, this is easy. But, of course, Jake Elliott misses the easiest field goal in the history of field goals. And I'm just like, are you kidding me? <laughs> and I really thought, like, when that happened, I'm just thinking, like, you know what? That's going to come back to bite us. I really was like, those three points are really – my brother even texted me, and he said that, like, that's that's going to be the reason we lose. Like, we could have lost by three points or whatever, and that three points right there, that easy give-me field goal, what could have been the reason. And, I mean, luckily it didn't bite us in the back. The fumble by Jalen Hurts almost did because, I mean, 24 to 14, yeah. we had that game wrapped up. Yeah. So. I mean, man, I'll tell you what. I was about to say that that Will Lutz field goal hurt us, but I think it's a one-for-one. One. I think both kind of equaled out. Will Lutz doesn't make miss that field goal. He makes that nine yeah. times out of ten. So I'll say the field goals even out. And You know what? I could also sit here and talk about all the missed opportunities the Saints, the Saints had, but – I mean, honestly, we were outplayed. We were outcoached in all three aspects of the game. So props to the Eagles, um, and hopefully this is the kick in the pants the Saints are going to need going up against the Chiefs, and, man, it doesn't get any harder than that. Yeah, it really doesn't. Like, I just – man, I, I, yo, I'm telling you right now, I, I love Patrick Mahomes. And I swear, anybody who listens to this podcast or whatever, if they listen to multiple episodes, they probably heard me say this multiple times, but – I can't get enough of Patrick Mahomes. I really can't. He's just – yeah, he's that good. He really is. Like, he's – and the thing is, yesterday, I've always said this. He's never – since he's become the starter, he's never had a bad game. And yesterday, like, statistically, that was probably the worst game he's had. And he still threw for over 400 yards and still looked good. So, it's like he threw three interceptions. And for him, it's, it's still nothing. He could throw three interceptions and – it just doesn't matter at all. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing about having Patrick Mahomes as your quarterback. You're never out of a game. Like, you go back to the Super Bowl last year. I think he played the three worst quarters of his of his life. And then he still ended up winning the Super Bowl MVP. Um, because that's the kind of, I mean, that's the kind of quarterback he is. He's never out of a game. He's never out of a play. Um, he's a magician. And, I mean, I mean, the defense, I'm sure you've heard the stat. It's been kind of hammered into everyone. The Saints didn't give up a hundred yard rusher in 55 straight games. And then yesterday we gave up two. I mean, you give up 240 yards on the ground, not a lot of good things happen. And Sean Payton kept saying that after the game. And, you know, he's right about that. But if you look at it, the running back, Miles Sanders, I don't care as much about that stat as I do about Jalen Hurts running all over the field because we were sending pressure. We were sending those QB contains and he was still just – just wide open green grass in front of him, gaining 20, 30 right. yards on these, on these scrambles. And, you know, you, you, you can't contain a quarterback, especially a mobile quarterback like Jalen Hurts and in his first NFL start, you can't win. Yeah. You know? and that's the thing that's funny is because, you know, most, I mean, they ran like one quarterback draw. It was like fourth and three, I believe, in the first drive. But outside of that, most of the, runs were pretty much on scrambles. Yeah. I mean, 90% of his rushing yards were just, okay, going back, all right, nothing is open. Let me tuck this down and run. Playing a lot of man-to-man coverage. And the worst thing you can do to a, a running quarterback is play man-to-man because mm-hmm. you know what teams are going to do. All the cornerbacks and linebackers are going to have their back turn. And before you know it, by the time you turn around, this guy's already 20 yards down the field. So it, it just really sucks. I don't know. So I just don't know if they prepare for, for that. And mm-hmm. I know – you got to have a good defense. I don't even know when did you guys like the first couple of weeks. Your defense was you know, it was pretty. It looked it looked like the defense we played yesterday. The first couple of weeks, right? Like and it's just 
ever since that Tampa Bay game, your defense was just on fire. And I'm just like, what what clicked with you guys that your defense got that good? Like I Execution. Know. So, I mean, if you look at the Saints defense, our run defense has been a, has been really solid for, you know, the last couple of years. It's our pass defense. And it's not necessarily even the coverage in the secondary. It's they get burned on those little flat routes, short routes underneath where you can just dump it off to a receiver or a tight end. And you saw it in the Raiders game. You saw it in this game against Philly where they'll just run. They'll, they'll complete a pass and they'll just run with no contact, nobody in the near vicinity for, for what seems like miles. And, you know, we were able to really clamp that up, especially on bootlegs. If you, if you look at the first couple of weeks of the season, we were getting burned on bootlegs and those underneath routes, as I was just saying. And then, you know, look back last week against Atlanta. Matt Ryan was trying to run those bootlegs quite often and nothing was there because we were covering it. We were executing our zones and we were able to read the defense. And, you know, there are a couple plays. I think it was that one long run with Ray Gore in the, was it the first or second quarter? You know, that pick play. OPI. Oh, yeah. I can sit, I can sit here and say OPI all I want, but I think that's, that's an excuse and there shouldn't be any excuses after that loss. But, um, you know, there was, there was, that wasn't OPI. <laughs> There were three guys covering Ertz. That's also what happened. Yeah. Nobody on Rhaegar. So <laughs> I think it really just comes right. down to execution. Like if you look at the Saints roster, we've got personnel at every single position. We've got a lot of talent. But if you can't execute, you know, the Saints always – they have a history of coming out flat, whether it be in this game, a game against the Falcons, or a game against the Vikings in the playoffs. They have a the history and a tendency to come out flat every now and then. So, you know, it's as surprising as yesterday's loss is, we knew the Saints had that in them, but when you come out of a, of a game and you don't execute and you let those plays kind of develop in the first drive, then you lose a lot of, uh, a lot of energy. Lack of execution leads to lack of energy, which leads to looking flat and then having to play from behind and play with a lot of sense of urgency down 17 points at half. And, you know, without a Hall of Fame quarterback, you're not going to come back. Yeah, now yeah, without Drew Brees. I mean, so are you in a rush to get Drew Brees back or are you like content, okay, give Taysom Hill, like let Drew Brees rest for a couple more weeks and get ready for the playoffs, or are you we gotta get Taysom Hill out of there? Or are you are you okay with Taysom Hill for like let's say another two, three weeks, or are you like I need Drew Brees to come back like yesterday? I don't know if you would agree with this, but I think Taysom Hill might be the most scrutinized quarterback in the NFL right now. <laughs> I do. I really do. I I would say Carson Wentz is probably a little more scrutinized. So. Okay, that's fair. You're an Eagles fan. I'm a Saints fan. We're both going to say a quarterback that's on our team. But my, the reason no, but no. If you watch if you watch ESPN, they talk about Carson Wentz way more. Than they talk about Taysom. Well, Wentz. one of them gets paid how many millions of dollars? <laughs> but what I what I mean by that is when he was announced as the starter, all of these couch coaches. On, on national media was saying that Sean Payton, Sean Payton's ego got in the way. Sean Payton should choose Jameis Winston. Jameis Winston has more experience, blah, blah, blah. But you know what? I'm a, I have not seen enough from Taysom to where I'm going to say I don't think he should be playing. I've also not seen enough from Taysom to say I think he should be the starter. So to answer your question in a roundabout way, if you had asked me before the Eagles game, I would say I'm okay rolling with him until Drew Brees is 100% healthy. And I think I honestly still am because do I think Drew Brees is going to come back and beat the Chiefs in his first game back? No. 
No. Yeah, probably not. Um, what I'd rather see is the defense show up against the Chiefs, keep it close, and try to try to run the ball and try to give Taysom more experience. Because what I do think Taysom has earned in these four starts is he should be the quarterback that anyone else would have to beat out for the starting job if, if Breeze retires. So I'm okay rolling with Taysom just until we get a clear a clear understanding of who he can be. But at this point, the Saints aren't going to win the one seed unless Green Bay has a meltdown of epic proportions. Um, so we should just be playing for a little bit, keep Breeze healthy, let him rest up before the playoffs. You know, these are my opinions, but I don't think they're in any rush to bring him back. You saw the Schefter report Sunday morning. Um, if we had won this game, maybe, but I think we set him against the Chiefs unless he's 100% healthy, but I don't think yeah, I, I doubt he'll be 100%. I don't think they're going to take a chance with a 41 year old man, 11 fractured ribs, and a punctured lung. Bring him back That's early. A lot of fractured ribs. That's Every time he went to the doctor, he got another fractured rib. Right. I, I forgot who even said it. They just said, like, I would just stop going to the doctor. <laughs> Seriously. Stop Seriously. Going. It's like, look, that's enough. Yeah, right. Like just after the fourth one, I'm like, you know what? I don't I don't want to know anymore. Just forget it. Like just, just screw it. But um, so you talk about the Packers. So do you guys think I think you guys have a better defense than the Packers? Do you guys think you could potentially beat the Packers in the playoffs? Yeah. If you had to go mano y mano just against the Packers and Lambeau Field, you know, no crowd or anything. Do you guys think you're a, a better team than them? I think the Saints have a better roster. I do. I think, you know. Prior to this week, they were playing better football. They were playing more complete football, and they were playing with a better sense of urgency. I think, you know, a lot of Packers fans always take the facts, oh, we beat them in week three. That's true. That's very true. But you cannot look at the week three Saints and the week 13 Saints and say that that's the same football team because it's not. Um, But then again, I struggle to say that the Saints can beat any team in the playoffs just because of what we've seen. Uh, they have this they have this uncanny ability to come out and just not show up in a big game. And I'm not going to say that the Eagles game was a big game because in reality it probably wasn't because just because the I'm sorry I'm sorry I'm just going to say it because the opponent was not was not a good football team. I'm sorry I'm sorry I know you're an Eagles fan, <laughs> but I mean if you that hurt man that hurt. look man I don't hate the Eagles but. Three, eight, and one. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I mean, I'm with a rookie sure. quarterback. <laughs> I mean, this was a game kind of like kind of like when we played the Broncos a few weeks ago, where oh. I'm not comparing Jalen Hurts to Kendall Hinton. But I, what I'm saying is you're co- going up against a team. You've got no tape on the quarterback. You really – like, there are a few ways to lose that game. And against the Broncos, we, we were able to execute, and we did not fall into the traps. And in this game, we did. Um, but once again, the Eagles came out with a big, a higher sense of urgency. They executed Jalen hurts looked amazing back there. He controlled the game, he controlled the pace of play, you know, aside from that fumble, he was great. But Yeah, he, he did just enough. He definitely, I mean, I think, I think Eagles fans are getting a little carried away. Everyone sees, and this is what kills me about every yeah. team, especially when you put a new quarter. I know where you're going this. with this. Oh, they, 
Yeah, they they won because Jalen Hurts looked amazing. I'm thinking, like, you look at his numbers. I mean, his his running numbers were really good. His passing numbers weren't that great. I mean, he did he did better than Wentz did. But I mean, I see people acting like he is like Tom Brady or something. I'm just like, oh, let's let, let, let's calm down. Let's let's like all right now. Let let's let's bring it back just a little bit because again, he was better than Wentz. He got us to win. But let's not act like he made like some crazy throws or anything. I mean, the best pass that he had was to a wide-open Jalen Rigger across the field. I mean, if you can't hit that throw, then you shouldn't even be in the league. You shouldn't even be holding the football. But I think they were really con- – like, honestly, they were really, really conservative with him to start the game. I mean, they were coming out – I think it was a third and seven or, like, a third and eight, like, on the first drive. And they ran the ball and they – or they did, like, a quarterback run or they did, like, a, a sweep pass to – not a sweep, but – like a, a draw play to Miles Sanders, and it was just a lot of things where I'm just like, they really, I don't know if they were scared or they were just trying to like, okay, let's ease him into the game. Let's put our defense out there. Let's just get his feet wet, and then later we'll, you know, throw the ball around a little more. But early in the game, it's like Doug Peterson was scared to scared to get half Jalen Hurst throw the ball. Like, and I was like really nervous about that. That's understandable, yeah. though. You got a rookie quarterback going up against one of the top defenses in the NFL. So, you know, I I was kind of expecting yeah. some conservative plays to start and then kind of, you know, letting him air it out a bit or building his confidence throughout the right. game. The last thing you want to do is go throw a rookie quarterback out there. First play gets intercepted. And confidence is just destroyed. But what I would say is, you know that football fans and sports fans in general are the most – they, they, they have a tendency to overreact, whether it be in a positive or a negative Everything. way. So, yes. I mean, if you want to talk about, you know, quarterbacks, you know what the Saints have been dealing with for the last – this whole season. I mean, in the first three games, it was that Drew Brees is washed. Drew Brees is done. Let's see Jameis Winston. Okay, then Drew Brees turns it on. Then Drew Brees goes down. Then it's like we need to see Jameis Winston. Taysom Hill gets announced as a starter. You know, everyone thinks they're smarter than Sean Payton. Taysom Hill has a decent game. Right. Then everyone's like, Taysom Hill's the franchise quarterback. And t- <laughs> then, we go, then we go to Denver and don't throw the ball because we're playing a practice squad wide receiver at quarterback. So, And then everyone's like, oh, Taysom Hill's terrible. Why didn't we put Jamison? You know, so it's a, week to de- it's a week-to-week thing. What have you done for me lately? And a lot of football fans, myself included, I've been guilty of this, We'll take one week and then base a full opinion off that one week. I think Nick Wright does that better than anyone. Um, I mean, you see him. I mean, you see him all over talking about, oh, Taysom had a really good game, but he's not a franchise quarterback, but he's not an NFL starting quarterback. Because of what? Because of what? He didn't start till he was thirty. Okay. Uh, Yeah, it, it killed me because every single week. Like, you know, Facebook and, like, little sports groups that you see. Every single week there's a new – he's the best receiver in the league. Like, one week's Devontae Adams. After the Hail Mary. Then it was Tyreek Hill. Sometimes it's Julio Jones. Right. And then sometimes it's Tyreek Hill when he smoked Carl Then Lee. it's DK so, Metcalf. It's I mean like, – Right. You hear DK – oh, my God, yes. Don't even start on that. Everyone is like – I love D- – Like, oh, he's better, than, he's better than Calvin Johnson. And before the game, we played him last week, and – Tim Sports said, oh, you're not funny. there yet. And that he said, oh, that pissed him off. Yeah, and then, he's, then Eagles fans are like, why would you give him more fuel? But I'm like, I mean, he's not lying. He's not better than Calvin Johnson. I mean, what do you want him to 
throw him the lie, just to stroke his ego a little bit. Like I'm not like I don't want no coach out there, no player out there being scared of him, like some oh he's gonna if I if I don't say this, he's gonna he's gonna like he's gonna beat my team really good. Like who cares? Like like it's trash talk. I'm like, gonna go and say like, I'm gonna go ahead and say like, that Jim Schwartz probably wasn't meaning that in a negative way. I think he was probably like, look, I've seen Calvin Johnson and you're you're almost there, but not not quite. I mean, should he have said that? Probably not. And I think it irritated DK more so that people were trying to compare him to a different receiver. And, you know, you even see that with A.J. Brown today. Someone tweeted that A.J. Brown was Terrell Owens. And so he quote tweeted that and said, A.J. Brown is A.J. Brown. The my least favorite thing in sports is hearing people compare current players to players of the past. It's let them be their own guy because you're not going to have the same player reincarnated. It doesn't happen. Yeah, you're not. I mean, AJ Brown, like if I had to compare him to somebody, I wouldn't even compare him to Tio because I think I think he has a little more speed than Terrell Owens. I mean, he is he is really good with the runs after the catch. I will give him that. Like he has that Tio was really good. I mean, you could throw a slant rock to Tio. He would get yeah. so many yards after the catch, and he was like amazing at that. So I will give him that. And AJ Brown had like some really like deceptive speed. You really don't realize how fast he is until he's running. You're like, how is he averaging 18 yards a catch? Like he's big. Like what, what is going on here? So it's just, I will say that I can't even think who I can compare him to. I mean, you have to. Compare I don't think like you a, can compare him to anyone. I mean, I, honestly, I think the worst thing that ever happened to AJ Brown was standing next to DK Metcalf in a picture because. <laughs> I mean, that just wrote him off completely. But that guy's a really – he's a stud. He's a stud receiver. Um, but, I mean, that's – I just don't like those comparisons. I don't like the overreactions, especially with Taysom Hill right now. As I was saying earlier that he was the most scrutinized quarterback in the NFL. You don't know – you have not seen enough. Four starts is not enough to say if a guy can start in the NFL. You have not seen him – I mean, I guess we have right. seen him try to come back now, and we saw how that went. But you haven't really seen him lead a two-minute offense, except for at the end of the second half or the first half. Um, I don't know. I think I think I haven't seen enough out of him. I haven't seen enough out of Jameis at, in a Saints uniform. And you're trying to replace Drew Brees, yeah. man. I was, yeah, I was really surprised that you guys didn't start Jameis. I wasn't the week after Jameis played in the San Fran game. He didn't look good at all. But I just felt like it was one of the things where it was like, okay. We got the lead. Let's just let's just get out this game, and also a combination of he didn't really, you know, when you're a backup quarterback, you don't really get first team reps, and you're not preparing to start. So when you go in the game, you're not really ready, and you're not really prepared for anything. So you think, okay, next week he gets a full week of uh, practice and everything, he'll be he'll be ready. But then they went to take some hill, and that just that really threw me off because I'm thinking, okay, take some hill. It's really good at, you know, the Swiss Army knife. He's on special teams, and he's at tight end, he's at wide receiver, he's at running back. Even when he's at quarterback, you don't know if he's going to run the ball or pass the ball. You don't know what you're getting. And I feel like having Taysom Hill as the actual starting quarterback takes away that element of surprise. Now you don't have that sure. guy to go into and say, all right, Taysom Hill's in the game. Like, you don't know what's about to happen. Like, that's pretty much sure. gone. But I guess that just shows me that they really just don't. They just didn't believe in I, I disagree with that. Um, I think a lot of people outside of New Orleans or the New Orleans, New Orleans fan base were surprised that they went with Taysom over Jameis. But, I mean, Sean Payton, ever since we got him from Green Bay's practice squad, um, has been saying that Taysom might be the quarterback of the future. Um, he said that a few times. He's compared him to Steve Young. There we go with the comparisons again. But, um, 
I can see the mobility. I think I think a lot of people were thinking they they were going to go with Jameis just based off what we did last year when Breeze went down. Uh, you know, we had Teddy Bridgewater, but Teddy Bridgewater had been with us previously. We he was more he was more familiar with the offense than Jameis currently is. And I think at the beginning of the season, from the reports I heard, Sean Payton's plan was if Breeze goes down in game, Jameis is the backup because Taysom already has plays called that are just designed for him, whether it's going to be the quarterback power, whether it's going to be him lining up in a slot or a tight end position. And Jameis, his game is more comparable to Drew Brees's. But Sean Payton also said that if it was like a multiple game thing and you needed a backup quarterback to start, Taysom Hill was going to get that opportunity. And I think that's why you saw you saw the Saints season. I think they want to see what they have in Taysom Hill. And I think that that's what they're getting. Um, I think we had two really good games. One game that you really just can't look at, the Broncos game. You need to throw that game out. You can't make any opinions off that game. And then this game. Or statistically, it wasn't bad. But, you know, he showed a lot of areas where he needs to improve on. He needs to improve on his ball security. Um, I know the one fumble he had in this game really didn't mean anything because it was a fourth down anyway. But, um, you know, it's been a problem. I think since week 10, he's got eight fumbles, which is just unacceptable as a quarterback that runs. And... You know, he he's, yeah. his decision-making leaves something to be desired. You saw that fourth and two play. You might have been confused by it, where it looked like we were trying to take a shot. You know, we had all the momentum in the game. We just scored two touchdowns, got the ball back, fourth and two, and Sean Payton calls a shot play that he thought he had a touchdown for. You see Michael Thomas running around, like, on the drag route. He's open the entire route, and I get they want to take a shot, but that's part of the fumble. But, you know, a Hall of Fame quarterback sees that opening. Also, we can talk about the velocity on the screens, which led to the interception, hitting Alvin Kamara right in the face. I mean, yeah, yeah, no, it comes out too hot. It's just, it's those little things that you gain with experience. And, you know, they got to be corrected. They got to be better. But I don't know. I think I want to see what he does after a full off season and even within a full season. So I don't hate Taysom. I'll say that. I mean, yeah. Yeah, I got you, man. I'm glad you. Uh, I'm glad you believe in him. I don't really know. I never said I believed in him. I want that clear. I mean, <laughs> I said I have not seen enough to make so, an opinion. I did, so, so, I got you. Like, no, you, you're kind of like you're not really sweet either way. You, you don't really know if he's not, but you don't know if he is. So, I got you. But yeah, you're willing to give. I him mean, a shot, you. We paid him twenty-one million dollars. He's been on the team for four years. He's been a big contributor to the team. I think he's definitely earned the shot he got. And I don't think it says anything about Jameis Winston. Okay. I got you. I, I, I mean, looking from the outside in, that's what, that's what I was thinking. So this is actually why I do this, because I get to talk to other fans from the other teams. So I know what, what, what kind of walls they see it from. I want to look at it from your glasses. Okay. Like, how do you see my team or what's going on with your team? Because, like, I can't, I can't focus on every single thing on your team. Like, I can't tell you who to – like the backup linebacker for the New Orleans Saints is. It's hard to do everything. So that's pretty much. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly right. Like So, but I mean, I try to pay attention to all this, but it's, it's really hard. Yeah, there's so many definitely. players in the league. Like it, it's easier with like baseball or basketball, but I mean, mm-hmm. football, there's so many players. Yeah. I, I just, like even with the injuries, even with the injuries that we've had this year, 
it's hard for me to even keep up with my team because you guys, guys, I'm just like the, I feel like the Eagles consistently that? deal with all these injuries. And I don't know if it's just because you have them, you have a fan base that loves to talk about injuries, or it's be, because guys just get injured so often. But I, I feel like every single year, that's why you guys are seven and nine. Um, but you know, yeah. Sorry, go for it. So you know. The- so you know what the funny thing is? So yeah, you remember? Chip I don't Kelly, think you right? could ever forget Chip Kelly. So when, yeah, so when Chip Kelly was here, he had this whole like sports science thing with the smoothies and all that, and no one ever got okay. injury. Like I swear, like the first year he was here, like Jeremy Macklin was out, and that was like it. Like I swear, we had like no big injuries like the whole year. I think Vic got hurt, but we ended up getting full, so it was it was like whatever, you know. And you know, fourteen and fifteen, like there was really no big major injuries that really happened. But it seems like ever since, even in 2017, we had a good enough year. We had a good enough team to where we were able to overcome, you know, Carson Wentz and Jason Peters and Jordan Hicks and um and uh, Darren Sproles and, and uh, Chris Marigolds. But our mm-hmm. team was so good, it didn't matter. But ever since 2018, it seems like every single year, like 2018, our yeah. cornerbacks was decimated. Last year, our receivers were decimated. This year, our offensive line was decimated. I mean, if you look at our Offensive line that's supposed to be the offensive line. You look at the actual offensive line that we have, yeah. it's like completely different than what it's supposed to be. So it just really sucks, man. Like, and it's like this every for the last three years. You know, the worst like part about that is I, I definitely did notice your offensive line and their struggles, especially because I was looking before this game started. I was like, man, the way our defensive front is playing and this beat up Philly offensive line. They gave up three sacks to, uh, to Jalen Hurts when he got in the game against the Packers. Uh, we're going to feast. I'm going to start the same defense in yeah. fantasy again. And we could not get any pressure on Jalen Hurts. And if we did, he went and ran the ball for 25 yards. Um, but no, I'm, I, let me ask you a question. How do you feel about the whole Carson Wentz, Nick Foles debacle? Oh, <laughs> Sorry about that. So, I think no, you got. I just because I have a really strong opinion about this that goes the other way. It really pisses me off when Eagles fans say, "Oh, you should have kept Nick Foles, or you how you gonna get rid of the, the guy that won the Super Bowl for you? You're not going to keep the guy that's yeah. older and is less talented. Why would you get rid of the guy who was the number two pick that was that you that was having the MVP season before he got hurt for a guy who had a flash in the pan, good two games? Granted, he had the best two games at the right at the Perfect time, but he had the best two games of his career at that time. When, but besides that, he hasn't shown me that he can do that on a consistent basis. But in 2017, Carson Wentz showed me that he could do that on a consistent basis. Now, in hindsight, sure, Carson Wentz. I mean, are we having a little buyer's remorse? Maybe. But if I had to do it all over again, I still would go with Carson Wentz again. Like honestly, if you said, "Okay, we're going to take you back to 2018," and what decision are you going to make this time? I'm still saying. I'm going Carson Wentz again because he's the better player. I mean, you look at it. I mean, I know, yeah, I know Nick Foles is not as old as these players, but you look at, you know, the Chargers are going to have to make a decision between Phillip Rivers and Drew Brees at 06. They chose the young guy that turned out. Phillip Rivers. Um, the Packers. Right. And the Packers had to choose between Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers. They yeah. chose a younger guy with the higher upside in Aaron Rodgers. And another team I'm thinking about, I can't quite remember when I'm I mean, it was a little bit. Come back to me later, I know. But like, I but, mean, you could but, almost say, but not really. The Colts, Peyton Manning, Andrew Luck, but 
I think I, I think Peyton's foot was out the door yeah, anyway. That's, yes, that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah, yeah, because you know he was already back in in his career, and they knew they were going to draft Andrew Luck, so they got rid of Peyton Manning so they could get Andrew Luck. So you're always going to pick the young. No, guy. I mean, like it's a young man's league. I mean, unless you're. A hundred percent makes just, sense. I really, yeah, I, I really, I get so mad at Eagles fans for always acting like. And every, then the worst thing that really happened was remember when uh, Nick Foles went into the game and then he came back and, and everyone came thought back. that the Eagles made such a mistake. Carson Wentz is doing yeah. this. Nick Foles is right. coming back again. He's yeah. You picked the wrong. You didn't even pick the wrong quarterback. You mm-hmm. just you picked talent, and then I don't know what happened to that talent. Yeah, for real. Like what I don't know. Like you. It really breaks my heart when me and my coworker the other day, we were watching TV at work. We went to YouTube and we watched the whole 2017 season. We were watching highlights from it. And when you watch that team and you watch Carson Wentz, you're like, what happened to that guy? Like, what that quarterback just did, that talent did not just go away. Like, it doesn't just disappear. Right. So I just don't get it. The decision making is just not there no more. The throws are not there no more. I mean, I can literally count on one hand. How many like really great throws Carson Wentz has had this year? He's only had a handful of like really good throws. Like he's had a lot of bad decisions, like a lot of them. And I just I was trying to um I was trying to excuse him. I was trying to defend him for the longest time. But then by like week eight, week nine, week ten, it was just to a point where he's just like I, I, I got nothing, man. I really I mean I really don't. So. The talent's still there. Carson Wentz is a talented quarterback. He just went full from what I mean. You're an Eagles fan, so you know more about this than me. But from what I saw, he just went full, I mean, hero mode. I guess, like, they have – and I don't yeah. think this problem starts with him. I think it starts with your GM. You've drafted – I mean, what's that? That You've drafted one pro bowler since 2017 or 16, and that was Carson Wentz. Um, you're not putting any weapons around him. I mean, being Travis Fulgham is your number one receiver for most of this season. I mean, that's not a re- – He was for, like, four or five weeks, and then they – then Jeffrey came back and they got Fulton playing like a handful of snaps. Yeah, I mean, it's it just me. you don't put weapons around him. You had a beaten up offensive line and then you give him the reins and all this money. And, you know, he thought this was that was his team and he had to do what he needed to do to win. And unfortunately, he did too much. And and we really seen the consequences of that. But yeah. I don't think his career is over. I do think it's over in Philadelphia. I think he needs a fresh start. I don't. I mean, what do you think's gonna happen with him? I just, I think next year he'll come back and they'll maybe have an open competition and maybe he'll play his way back into the starting role and maybe he'll have a rejuvenation year because Jalen Hurts is a good player, but he doesn't really pass the eye test to me. So when I look at him, I don't really see an NFL quarterback. I don't really see a guy that can consistently make throws outside the numbers. I mean. When I like Carson Wentz's very first game in 2016, you know he we had Sam Bradford that year, and then I forgot who got hurt for Minnesota, and they ended up having a they we got a first round pick for Sam Bradford, and so Carson Wentz was supposed to sit on the bench that whole entire year, but 11 days before the season started, he got word that he's going to be a starter. He went out there, he had a really good game, and the future was really bright. And I'm looking like, you know what, this guy looks like a quarterback. After yesterday's game, I mean. It was a good win, but I'm not looking at it like no, and you shouldn't. Jalen Hurts is the franchise quarterback. I'm still like, yeah, we, I just 
he, he doesn't really pass the eye test for me. He doesn't really do it for me. I mean, maybe if you run like some kind of Lamar Jackson type of thing or something, or but I don't see him going out there and being able to throw for 300 yards like consistently. And I feel like in this day and age, you have to throw the ball consistently. Everybody talking about, oh, you got to run the ball, you got to run the ball, you got to run the ball. Like, I mean, you have to run the ball to stay balanced. But in actuality, I mean, look at the last couple of MVPs. I mean, look at the last couple of Super Bowl teams. They're all passing teams. And running the ball only gets you so far. I mean, look at the Ravens for last year. It's just – you can run for 250 off all I care. But you sure. still lose I mean, I've, I've been very outspoken, at least with my, my friend's circle, about mobile quarterbacks. I don't – it's not a recipe for long-term success in the NFL. I mean, even with Lamar Jackson, you know, exclude the game tonight. I don't know if you're watching. They're up 34-28 on the Browns, and he's running all over the field. But Actually, Tom, I'm actually watching. He's, for some reason, that backup is in. I don't Man, know if Lamar I, got hurt or what. I turned it off just when I was started talking to you, and I just checked the score again. Interesting. Um, but, I mean, you see yeah. it when he has to come back in games. You saw in the playoff game. You saw it in a few other games this year where he has to start throwing the ball and make and start to come back. He's not built for that. And at some point, especially in the playoffs, you have to be able to throw the ball. You have to be able to get it to your weapons, and you can't play hero ball or run it yourself. And, you know, the quarterbacks that run the pass, like Russell Wilson, uh, Mahomes, even a little bit Rodgers, Luck, uh, before he retired, those are the court- mobile quarterbacks that are successful in the NFL. Those quarterbacks that run to run, Lamar, RG3. Yep. RG3, see how fast he was. Yeah, I mean, it's not a recipe for long-term success. And until I see it consistently year in and year out, I mean, I'm saying this about Lamar, but he won an MVP last year. But until I see him come back or win a big game, you know, lead his team, put the team on his shoulder and carry a team back, I'm not going to – I'm not sold on it. And, I mean, I definitely get what you mean about Jalen Hurts. I do think he's earned the right to at least start for the rest of the season, see what happens. But um, I'm not sold on him either way. Yeah. And, again, I only saw him for one game, and he torched my favorite team. So, yeah. I mean, he's, you know, God level at this point. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, if he would have torched your favorite team with, like, 350 yards passing and I saw, like, a couple of good throws, then I'd be more sold. But I'm, I didn't see enough of him throwing the ball to – have like this major faith in him where I'm just like, yes, we got our quarterback now. It's just, I mean, a lot of people can run the ball. I mean, t- yeah, I mean, ball. That mean anything, so. I watched the game yesterday and I watched highlights today. And I'm not going to lie, the only throw from Jalen Hurts, aside from the OPI and the, uh, the phantom roughing the passer touchdown to Alshon Jeffrey. Other than those two throws, the only throw I remember from him is the one that C.J. Gardner-Johnson should have picked six. Um, I mean, mostly what I remember is him scrambling around, dodging five of our rushers and running for 25 yards. So, I mean, yeah, I get that. I'd like to see some better throws. But he had a, he had a good throw on a, what is his first drive against the Packers. So, I think he's got it in him. And I think if they can, de- you guys can de- develop him well and make him into more of a passer and that kind of offense, I mean, we'll see. I'm not sold either way yet, but I trust your opinion on that well, way more than I trust mine. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he had a good throw to Hurts, which they call it not a catch, which I still don't see how that wasn't a catch. I mean, he got two feet down. That was the game yesterday. Like, I, I really don't. You know, I'm just going to say that camera angle was tough. You couldn't see the tip of his toes. 
cut off it cut off a little bit. Great call. That's the one thing I was thinking. Great call by the officiating crew. I don't think you'll ever hear a Saints fan say that though. <laughs> yeah. Uh, say that in the 2018 NFC Championship game. Great call, right? <laughs> oh, boy. Actually, I'm going to ask you that, too. So, which loss, like, hurt the most? I actually asked my other Saints fan that, too, earlier today. So, I want to know from you, like, which one, 2017, the Miracle, 2018, the fan passing the parents, the last year, the push-off, like, which one? You know, this like, might be the a – they all hurt in different ways. You know, the miracle hurt because Marcus Williams still yeah. burns us on not being able to tackle. Um, and that was just such a fluke and a miracle. Yeah. But, you know, that no call was so egregious and it just felt like we had been done so. And it like ruined the Super Bowl because the whole time watching the Super Bowl, it felt tainted. And, you know, every time I watch Bill Vinovich on TV, I just get irritated. And so that one, I think, is probably going to hurt for longer in my life. <laughs> like, I, I'll probably never get over it. Like, I cried for a yeah. good week after. But, man, last year hurt because we just didn't show up. And there was no excuse not to show up for that game. And so that's why that hurt. Right. It was, it was so, it was so ridiculous it. because we were playing good football. We had a great roster. We were heavy favorites. We were at home against the Vikings, a team that, you know, the team that upset us, or not even upset us because we were we weren't supposed to win that game. But you know, in the Minneapolis Miracle, that was our chance to to get revenge, and then we just didn't show up, and it made no sense. Yeah, that game last year was terrible because, like you said, y'all were playing really well in Minnesota. I'm like barely Kirk Cousins in prime time. Yeah, Kirk Cousins in uh, a playoff game. Right. So it's like, come on, you can be Kirk Cousins. Like, this is this is cake. Like, we can walk away to the uh, San Fran or Green Bay, whoever we had to play the next week. So it just was like, yeah, yeah that, that one really had to hurt. But I know the past and the fans, like, I could imagine, man, if that would have happened to the Eagles, like, oh, this man. city would I don't think I've ever retweeted right more this things in my life yeah. than that week prior. I was like, retweet the NFL. This is on the NFL office. Retweet like this. They, they need to go back and we need to start playing the game from when that pass interference was called. And you know, I went full revolutionary on that. But I'm, I'm curious what, what did the other Saints fans say? Yeah, that was. Um, he said pretty much. What did he say? I think he pretty much said that the 18 one because. The, the fan and passing the fans, like, and because we pretty much talked about how it just changed the rule, how it just like for the next season they started being able to actually review passing interferences, which was, and yeah. that's what that's another thing he said. He said it was stupid that they did it after the fact because it seemed like a band aid, but like you said, like, forget that, like, that doesn't help us for this game. How about we go back and go back to the field and play this game now? Like, I don't, and even I was just about that, to say, it didn't matter, it was the most ridiculous rule. Alberto Riveron, I felt like just purposefully decided to to deny every single coach's challenge because he was like, oh, you're taking it out of our hands. And I mean, it was just ridiculous because it didn't help us from when we actually needed it to help us. And it didn't work. and It only lasted a year. It was pointless. Um, I mean, it honestly just felt like more of a slap in the face to Saints fans than than the actual call itself. But, you know, it is what it is. You know, if, even going back to that game, we, even with that, had plenty of opportunities to win it. We were up 14 at one point in that game. We got the ball first at, in overtime. 
Yeah. Um, and then we could have stopped them, and then they kicked us. I mean, yeah, I can sit here and say that we would have been in the Super Bowl, and I guarantee we would have put up more than three points against the Patriots. But at the same time, we could have won that game. Just like I could sit here right now and talk about that OPI yesterday or the obvious holding that wasn't called or whatever. But, you know, we didn't show up, and so therefore we didn't win. And that's kind of how the NFL works. The Saints need to not leave, like put the game in officials' hands because every time that happens, we get burned. Thanks, man. I um, I agree with the 2018 one because I remember saying it afterwards, and everyone talking about, oh, it's the the referees and the referees. But I'm like, you guys realize you had the ball, like you still had the ball. You, you it was in overtime. You guys got the ball first, so you go down there and, and score a touchdown. Game is over, so nobody's even talking about this. But you know, you end up throwing an interception. They may make a long field goal, and they're in the Super Bowl. So you know, and it's the fact that it happened in the fourth quarter. If that call happens in the first or the second quarter, it doesn't matter as much. So it just it matters. It's when, not only that when the call happens. When the when something happens, I mean, if that call is called correctly, you knee it out a few times and kick a field goal, game over. But I mean, it it, it yeah. directly impacted the game. But even with that, we had an opportunity to win, and we didn't. Yeah, yeah, I agree, man. I I agree. So let's get to the rest of the um the league. So give me the top team. Like let's take out seedings, which I'm pretty sure I'm know <laughs> what you're gonna say. And I don't know if you're gonna give me an unbiased answer, but who's the who you think the top team, like the best team in the AFC is? And the best, best team, team in the, the AFC is, is the Chiefs and then the Bills. I'll say that. Um the yeah, Bills are legit. Bills and legit. I've been saying this since they were ten and zero. I think the Steelers are frauds. Not that they're not a good team. I just don't think yeah. they're a top team in the AFC. And, I mean, you look at strength, strength of schedule, which is a, a sad argument, but it's the one I'm going to make here. Um, and then the NFC, I mean, you know what I'm going to say, man. If we're talk- I mean, if we're talking about roster, <laughs> and we're talking about personnel, and we're talking about what I've seen them at their best, it's the Saints. After, after this week... I mean, the only other team I would say is there is the Rams. And I would put the Rams above the Packers. The Rams have a better defense. The Rams are a more complete team, and I feel like I'm going to get some hate for that. But the Rams have a better defense, and in the playoffs, you want a more physical, better defense. um, Because the defense is travel, and ignore the Saints yesterday, but defense is travel. Defenses are supposed to show up in the playoffs. Offense can go dormant. So that's what I'm saying. In the playoffs, I'd rather – I would rather play the Packers as a Saints fan than the Rams in the playoffs, and that's not just because of the no-call. Yeah, like, I get what you're saying about they have a better defense. I mean, they do have a much better defense, but I cannot trust Jared Goff in the playoffs. Like, it's – man. Sure, you say that, Jared but Goff they've been in the Super Bowl before. Been the Super Bowl because because of Sean McVay. I think Sean McVay is coach. coach. Like I think, so I think the defense carried him there. I mean, I just think Jared Goff is really, really inconsistent. I think Jared Goff can have a really good game, then he can lay in a, then he can have another good game, mm-hmm. and he can have a bad game. And I just really can't trust him. And there's no way I'm gonna sit here and tell you that the Rams are better than the Packers strictly because okay. of the quarterback play. And you know what's a quarterback's league and. 
I would take my trust in Aaron Rodgers much more than anybody. So, I mean, I know Aaron Donald is good, but it's kind of hard to – I mean, they, they make an impact with a game, but you can kind of, you know, utilize – or you can underutilize a, a defensive tackle. You can kind of double team and sure. scheme your way out of that. So, but it's tough. I, I, I can't – I can't – I can't say the Rams. That's okay, but he'll be my my counter to that. Last year, the Packers travel to Santa Clara to play my hometown Niners. Aaron Rodgers, much better quarterback than Jimmy Garoppolo. But that defense bottled him up. That defense showed up in the postseason. Aaron Rodgers did not. So that's going to be my argument for that. But saying the Packers is the second-best team or even the best team in the NFC – it's not an egregious response. So, I mean, I can give it to you, but I'm talking about who I would, who I would pick in the playoffs between those two teams. I would pick the more physical defense. Okay. I can respect it. I mean, I, I definitely do think they're the Rams defense is definitely legit, but um, back to the AFC though. So I will say, I was saying this for, for months, well, for weeks too about Pittsburgh. I just like their defense is really good as well. They have another good defense, but Ben Roethlisberger is way past his prime. They cannot run the ball. They can't run the ball. Right they now. cannot run the ball. And you, you, th- all. we all thought that would be get better with James Conner returning, and it did not. Right, it didn't. And then you got the offense, the passing offense, which pretty much is just short passes like over and over. And I'm like, okay, this is working when you're playing the Giants or when you're playing you know, the Jacksonville Jaguars. But when you start playing good teams and they know how to, like, defend you and they're going to start playing zone, they're going to start playing press on you and they're going to drop back their defensive ends, they're going to be able to stop those, like, short passes. Like, all they do is literally hike hike the ball and it's a short pass. It's a crossing route. That's why they have so many catches to all these wide receivers. Like, every game, like, Deontay Johnson has seven catches and Juju has seven catches and and Claypool had eight catches. and But it's like – Eight yeah, for about it's also five yards or something like this. Like so, Roethlisberger holds the ball for two seconds and then lets right. it go. It's not the same Big Ben that's kind of rumbling around in the pocket, breaking sacks, and then right. hitting uh, Emmanuel Sanders or Antonio Brown deep for a big pickup. So it's a different offense and it's an effective yeah. offense against you know lower teams. I just don't, I just don't see them be. I, I don't see them beating the Chiefs, and I definitely don't see them beating the Bills because they just lost to the Bills. So. I mean, those are the top two teams in the AFC, and we're going to see – I really do think that this Saints-Chiefs game is going to be more impactful for the AFC than the NFC, and here's why. I think that it'll it'll kind of show – if the Saints show up, if the Saints show up like we know they can, it'll show, it'll show either a weakness or just an insane strength with the Chiefs. They've only lost one game, but they've looked beatable a few times. But if they make our defense, if they show up and make our defense look sad, look sorry, I'd look out for the Chiefs and I wouldn't pick anyone over them. Yeah, I, I don't think there's anybody better than the Chiefs. I mean, like I said earlier, I mean, even Patrick Mahomes had a couple of – even his interceptions. I mean, you could look and say, okay, he had three interceptions, but one was they were trying to set up a screen to Travis Kelsey. He got tipped in the air. Another one was – um. I forgot who. Oh, it was a. It was, I think it was a drop pass by. It bounced off of somebody. I forgot what the second one was. And then the third one, Xavier Howard made like one of the craziest catches that you're ever going to see. So it was just it's one of them things, bro. He had three interceptions, but it's not like it's not like he had terrible throws or he was making no, like, I mean, terrible decisions out there. He's just yeah, Patrick Mahomes is a great quarterback. Patrick Mahomes, 
It's probably the most talented quarterback I've ever seen play football. I mean, it's it's insane to watch him. But, you know, on that Xavier Howard interception, I'll also point out that there was another pick by the one of the corners on the Colts, that one-handed interception. There were some really, really great interceptions oh, yesterday. Yeah, it was yeah. kind of a treat to watch. It made me forget about the Saints. The Saints game. Right. Yeah. <laughs> That's how I beat too. Because when my, when my team loses, I'm just like, okay, I'm going to watch this Sunday night game. I'm going to enjoy it. I'm going to watch Monday night. I'm going to enjoy this too. I'm going to forget. And I'm going to watch all the other good plays. But then it's just – Yeah, man, it's know, tough. Some things Especially me. right now, the only thing that could make me feel better is if Justin Tucker could kick a long field goal here so I can win my fantasy matchup. Um, but, you know, when your team loses, it makes the rest of your week terrible. Uh, it's just kind of a fact of sports, which is why I absolutely love the title of your podcast. It's just a game because the amount of times I've heard that from family members and girlfriends, it's, it's somewhat ridiculous, but no, I love that. Yes. Yeah. I, um, it's funny because I was. I had a podcast like before. Well, I started it last October, and it was just I couldn't think of a name. I'm just like, I, I, like people was telling me like, you should start a podcast. You're a sports. You should start it. And I was like, all right, sports talk with Chris. There we go. I, I just named it that. I legit. And then it was like the weirdest thing. I was laying down sleeping one day, and I heard this like weird voice. I don't know if it was God. I don't know if it was my my inner thoughts or whatever. And I just heard somebody whisper, "It's just a game." And I just like popped up like, wait, that is like, wait. Let me let me use that, and then it just it came to me because, like you said, I mean, even playing video games back in the day or watch, I would like be freaking out about the Eagles game or the Sixers or whoever I was like talking about, like my mom, my dad, like my little sister, my friends, my aunts. They would just be like, "Come on, it's just a game." Like, yes, I am like, this mad. Really, this mad? It's just yeah. a game. Like, of course I'm this mad. Like, right? Like, so I'm just. It's just like one of them like ironic things. And I was going to go with, like, it's not just a game, but I'm just like, no, nah, I feel like it's just a game has a better ring to it. Yeah, no, that's, that's me, great. Man, on that topic, I remember after the after the 2018 uh, NFC Championship game, I was supposed to hang out with my girlfriend at the time. And I was like, you know, I can't do it. I can't, I can't, I can't go see him, man. I'm, yeah. I'm so upset. I'm just depressed. I want to, I want to cry. Like, I can't do it. And she's like, are you really going to not see me because of a football game? Yeah. Yeah, I am. <laughs> I've made that decision. I'm not going to see you because of a football game. Oh, man. I might have to use this part as uh, the preview for this episode when I post this. That's, that's cool. Right Followed there. by one of the biggest fights we had in our relationship, but it was oh, worth God. it. Yeah, it sure is, man. They like That's the one thing I will say. Me and my girl been together for 10 years, and she gets, she gets it. right. At first, I don't think she got how serious it really was. But now at this point she's like, okay, like, like if I come home from work or whatever, and the Eagles lost, or if I come home, she's like, are, are you okay? And I'm just like, eh, yeah, I'm, I'm okay, like whatever. Like, but it's it's that serious. It really is. Like it really, and people know. Like my parents know. Like everyone, like friends. I remember when Carson Wentz got injured, like in 2017, because you know we were having a good year that year. And we're just like, yes, we're going, we're about to go to the Super Bowl. Like, we're about to win the division. Like, let's go. We finally got a great team. And Carson Wentz tears ACL. And I was just, I remember laying in my bed the next day, like, this did not just happen. Like, and my friend from work texted me, like, are you okay? And I'm just like, yeah, I know that feeling. It's like, just, is life even, I was just thinking, like, is there God, anything in life God, that's more God, important God. than sports? Like, 
in those moments, you ask yourself that question and you answer it so quickly. No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. And my girlfriend and I got together in the summer and I'm warning her when we first got together. I was like, look, football season comes around. Don't talk to me on Sundays. If the Saints lose, be careful. And so she didn't really get it until, you know, we lost two straight games. And then she was like, oh, boy, okay. So now she'll text me. Like, she texts me after the Eagles game. She's like, I'm sorry. Do you want me to leave you alone? Do you want to talk to me tomorrow? It's like, yeah, yeah, I kind of do. Kind of do. <laughs> that's good, man. You got to – that's a keeper. Like, anybody who understands it is, like – you have to find somebody that understands. Like, that's that's an important part of your life. Like, some people have, like, dogs and – you know, they have like school and work and like they like really focus on like certain things, but sports is the art. Yeah, man. And it's I started really, doing it's really uh, going to school for sports casting in May. And I think the best thing that came out of that is obviously like pursuing my passion. Yeah, all that stuff that's bulletin board material. Now, the best part about it is when I want to watch football, I can say I'm doing this for school. So no one can say anything. Right, so it was right. Thanksgiving. My dad's like, this "Hey, come help me right. chop wood." No, I'm watching the football game. I have to do it for school. <laughs> yep. Exactly. Oh man, it's a school work. Like, <laughs> so, what do you do for work? Sorry, we're getting really off topic of sports, but you're an interesting, you're an interesting guy. Oh no, nah, I work. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate it. Um, I work at a restaurant. Cool stuff, man. I, I run a shoe store, and uh, nobody comes in because it's in the middle of COVID, so I get to watch football on my laptop all day. So. God, I hope my boss doesn't listen yeah, to this. There you go, man. That's, that's dope. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure he won't wait. <laughs> Was it Lamar Jackson or Trace Lamar McSorley? Just, a touchdown. Cool. just came in for one play. Yeah, he... Watching it on mute and McSurley, he got like one first down. Yeah, I saw that, and, and I was hoping they were going to attempt like a sixty-yard field goal with Justin I Tucker, so I could win my fantasy matchup. And, <laughs> and they didn't. Yeah, uh, Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson came in. Oh yeah, go for two. Go for two. I don't need a win. They're back up. There. Justin, leave him on the sideline. Right, Who right, cares? Right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so real quick, so I'm almost at the end of this. So I, I just want to get your opinion. So MVP for this um, year, right now, Aaron Rodgers or Patrick, Patrick Mahomes? And I would make a case for Derrick Henry as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, not the run. The only way a running back's going to win it is if they rush for over 2,000 yards. But right now, I'd say Patrick Mahomes. But I do think the balance of that switched, you know, switched a little bit yesterday with Mahomes' three interceptions and Rodgers just lit it up again. But I would still go Mahomes. I think I think he's got a a much bigger impact on that team. That's the fun. Yeah. So that's the funny thing because I saw somebody in the sports group back to the the whole overreaction and everything. I saw somebody posted like, "Oh, Patrick Mahomes just like uh, lost his spot in the MVP race." I'm like, after after one game, like, what are you talking about? So that's the thing. Like everyone overreacts to every single thing. It's like a week to week thing. It's like one week. This person is the best thing since sliced bread. And then next week, they're, they're the worst my, thing. My favorite. So it just, it just I hate to pick so. on Saints fans because um, we've got the best fan base. But my absolute favorite was the beginning of the season. Alvin Kamara, best running back in the game after the Denver game. We need to start Latavius Murray. All right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love Latavius. Don't get me wrong. but <laughs> Do you think that – right. 
Yeah, he's 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 good. He's he's a solid like running back. I mean, he's he's one of those guys. You can give him like a eleven carries, he's about a, sixty yards. Like he's he's cool. Do you think out of Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara, do you think either one of those guys are the best of their position? That's a really tough question, man. Um, I'll say this: I last year I would have said yes, Michael Thomas is the best wide receiver in the game. And I do think he has the capability of being the most productive wide receiver. He was last year. I don't know if he's the most talented. I think probably the most talented is right. You're going to hate me for saying it, but I think the most talented right now is DK Metcalf. Although he's, although he's young, he's got the biggest upside of any receiver in the league. Um, and I think Derrick Henry is the best, the best running back in the league as far as just running the football. When you start adding pass catching capabilities, then you've got to include Dalvin Cook and Alvin Kamara. But I don't think that they are – Either of them are definitively the best at their position, but they are definitely in the conversation worth giving an argument for. Right, right. It's weird because I'm a Kamara. Like you look at his numbers, it's not like I don't know. I don't want to say he's not an every down back, but he don't. He he doesn't really have the numbers of an every down back. He has a he has the numbers of like a, a change of pace back, like a a like. A, little more of a Darren Sproles kind of like not because Darren Sproles used to get a lot of catches and but not like he would have more receptions than he would have rushing attempts his numbers were like crazy for a little while but so I would say he's a little more than that but he's not really he's not like I would say Christian McCaffrey is probably better than him. do you think do you he think attempts a lot more mean attempts, better than or do you think that means more of an opportunity because I think if you're taking plain talent, Kamara's I just think incredibly even... talented and more talented than a lot of those running backs out there. But the way the Saints offense works is they use him a lot as a, yeah. as a screen passer. And then when you want to run in the power run game, we'll use Latavius Murray just because, you know, it gives Kamara time to refresh. And then we can even have Kamara out wide and run it with Latavius Murray or motion off Kamara. We use him in so many other ways that isn't really seen on a stat sheet. That, I think that's hard. I think that's really hard to say. You can't, you can't measure yeah, skill right. by by what opportunity someone gets. Yeah, true. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, but um, I don't know because like you said with Derrick Henry, you know he's like a first second back, but then you know by third down they put that guy McNichols in because he's not really a he's not really a great pass catcher. But you know Alvin Kamara is a really good pass catcher. And he's probably the best all around. I would say it's between him and McCaffrey. But um, even like Dalvin Cook and Dalvin, Dalvin Cook has had a couple of years where he's been injured. He's like dealt with injuries for like his first two years, I believe. I think seventeen and eighteen he dealt with injuries. No, and, Dalvin uh, Cook, but this year he's just like yeah, and he was I still he missed, he missed one, one game, game, and even after that one game, he was still like top in the league in rushing yards, even though he had played a game less than everyone else. Like that guy's insane. Yeah. There's there's so much great talent out there, but once again, right. it's when like production is when talent meets opportunity. And, I mean, it's just really hard to judge someone just based on their production, right? You got to take in a lot of factors. I mean, like like last year, a lot of people were saying, like, Kamara's not explosive. Yeah, Kamara was hurt last year. <laughs> like, Kamara probably shouldn't have played most of the second half of the season, but he did. And he was doing it just – he was doing his job, doing exactly what he had to do, none of this extra breaking tackles, being slippery. He's a, he's a great running back, but I wouldn't say – I'm not going to say he's definitively the best. Yeah. Oh my. I, yeah. I would. I would agree. 
I mean, I just think it's it's a lot of good running backs, and I just think it's definitely a toss-up because you have to look at, you know, pass catching and pass blocking and who can run best between the tackles, who, who's more explosive, and I think it's a lot of factors. But just going back to the MVP thing, so what exactly does the MVP actually mean? Because a lot of times people look at the numbers, and then people say, okay, he has better numbers, he has more yards, he has a higher rating, he has less interceptions. But then people say, oh, no, he has less talent. So I don't know, does less talent around – make more of an MVP case because people always try to look at, well, if you take this player off of that team, that that means you're more viable. But I feel like you can say that about a lot of players, but they still had to put the numbers up. So what exactly All does the loaded MVP questions, mean? man. I don't know if you saw that Browns just tied the game. But okay, so this is how I this is how I look at the MVP. Yeah. It's kinda has to be a combination of, you know, production, talent around, and just the way we pick an MVP is who has the most productive and the best season all around. It isn't really, it isn't really chosen based off who is more valuable to their team. Because I would make the argument that in 2016, if that's how we chose an MVP, Derek Carr would have been the MVP in 2016. Because we saw how the Raiders – we saw how the Raiders play with Derek Carr wasn't there. Right, right. So it's <laughs> – as much as I want to say that's what it is, because to me, that's what the term most valuable player means. That's not how the NFL looks at it. So I would like to say it's whoever has the biggest impact to their team, but that's not how we pick an MVP. Yeah. I mean, I think baseball is the only sport that pretty much just goes off of the best numbers. I think in the NFL and the NBA, it pretty much just goes to, like we've seen it in, for the last whatever amount of years. I mean, unless somebody has a crazy season, I mean, it pretty much goes to whoever has the best record and whoever is the best player. I mean, it's like Lamar Jackson was the number one seed. He had 3,000 yards passing. He had 1,000 yards rushing. Like, cool. Patrick Mahomes was the number one seed the year before. He won MVP. Like, and it just goes, like, back to that. So, pretty much is whoever the number one seed, whoever. Most of yeah. the time, just go to the quarterback when it comes to the um, – to the NFL, I mean, last time we've seen a non-quarterback. Yeah, move, and that's why I say I think Derrick Henry should win an MVP, crazy. but he'll have to get over 2,000 yards in order to do that. Or you look at Sean Alexander in 05 and LT in 06, they had to run for like 28 and 29 and 30 touchdowns apiece. So it's like you have to have like an insane season to win it as a running back. And even Michael like Michael Thomas last Yeah, year, I mean, the guy the guy put up one of the single best offensive like production year. seasons that we've ever seen at wide receiver, but there was no way he was going to win the MVP. And if you thought that, that you were deluding yourself. Um, right. You know. It, yeah. I, just, I wish we would just come up with, um, like, an award for, like, every position. Like, okay, this is the – Joe Montana award for like best quarterback, or this is the, the Walter Payton award for running back. So just something like that, where so every position could get well, like we do have a Walter you know, Payton award, of, but it's for different for some different kind of recognition. Oh <laughs> <laughs> um, well, yeah, that man of the year, like which I mean, like nobody's like you ask any football fan like who's the man I don't I don't know I do know I do know that that Drew Brees did win a man of the year award and he's never won an MVP and I will also note. That Miles Garrett should get comeback person of the year because he's up for he's a Walter Payton uh, man of the year nominee after a year after he uh, he walloped Mason Rudolph in the head. Yeah. 
Come, oh. People Magazine, Comeback Man of the Year. Um, yeah, that was crazy. Thing. But, I mean, the MVP is yeah, somewhat ridiculous crazy. because it's it's the best. It's I, I only say that because I'm a big Saints fan and Drew Brees doesn't have, have an MVP, and he should. Not because he's had the single best season of anyone else in the league once because I don't really think he has. But he's just so consistent. He's so consistently great. It's like, how does that guy not have an MVP? So I don't love the MVP award, honestly. So I do like what you're saying. Like, let's do an award per position. But that's almost what the all-pro team is. So who knows? Yeah. It's – um. yeah, I mean, I had that with my guy, uh, Darian, who was the uh, other Saints fan I had. I – he actually won the whole rant about like why Drew Brees doesn't have an MVP award. I said, because I asked them, what is more disappointing, the fact that the Saints only have one Super Bowl or the fact that Drew Brees doesn't have an MVP award? And he just said, like, you know, that's a good question. And it could go either way because he knows why they don't have more than one Super Bowl because their defense has never really been that good. Like, if they, And he was pretty much saying how if, if Drew Brees had this team early in his career, he would definitely have more than one Super Bowl, but he doesn't understand why they don't have an MVP. Because I would definitely agree Drew with Brees, that. I mean, I'm a Drew Brees fan. Drew Brees is the best quarterback yeah. of all time, and I will stand by that. Yes. I'm going to get roasted for that one as well. But man. I say that. Look at the stats. Look at the stats. I mean, sorry I didn't have Bill Belichick's defense for – he didn't have Bill Belichick's defense for the whole majority of his career. I mean, the guy put up numbers consistently with bad defenses. He carried his team. I mean, he is the best statistical quarterback of all time, and that's not even debatable. Yeah. Um, I mean, he's got more 5,000 passing yard season than anyone else. I mean, I think the next best is one or two, and he's got five. Yeah. I mean, Drew Brees. Yeah, I mean, Drew Brees is, is – yeah, I, think, I think he's the best quarterback of all time. I think you can say that Tom Brady is probably the greatest because he's won the most, but no. I, I, I would say that I, I would say that it, the more infuriating thing for me, you didn't ask me, but I'll tell you my answer is the fact that we only is the fact we only have one Super Bowl. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I would agree with that because I mean we celebrate Super Bowls. I mean we don't really. Yeah, and I think even Drew Brees would be like, I'd rather have multiple Super Bowls than an MVP award. Yeah, for sure. Because um, I remember thinking who, like, who probably is more, who's been a bigger disappointment between Aaron Rodgers and Drew Brees because they both only have one Super Bowl apiece. And I just felt like between the two of them, they should have more than that. I mean, they're both so good. Yeah, well, There's no way both of those guys You know, have when you Super have a defense that no gives way. up 30 to 40 points a game and you are forced to throw for 380 yards a game and five touchdowns. Then yeah, you're only gonna have one Super Bowl. Yeah, yeah that's true. Yeah. yeah, very true. Um, yeah, that's all I got. So, um, got anything? Um, no, that's it for me, for man. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. This is the first time I've ever been on a podcast, so that was fun. Yeah, cool, cool. Well, I'll definitely do that, but you know, hopefully, you got yours. Let me know if you want me to hop on. I, I got you. So, tell the people. Um, came up with the name today, yeah, but it's called Post Game Shenanigans. Uh, we're going to be debuting that after week 15. Hopefully, if everything goes to plan. So, be on the lookout for that. If you want to follow me on Twitter, 
Um, that's where I'll put information. It's QT underscore my full name, Quinn Thomas. Heard. Excellent. Okay. I'll definitely look for you on that. And um appreciate you coming on, man. I'll definitely keep Awesome, man. Appreciate it. Like Thanks for having me on. Talk to others. Best of luck with the rest of your season. All right, man. See you later. That still might win yeah, the division. Yeah, we, you know, the best we can do is seven E and one, so we'll, we'll try. I'm aware. Uh Justin Tucker about to get fifty five that, that could win it for me. Oh man, fingers crossed. Fifty <laughs> five They're probably gonna call a timeout or something. Man, Justin Tucker is good, man. Yeah, he's dude, a, he he's is. He's on. He's, he's on the best pitcher I've ever seen. Let's see if that was enough to win it for me. <laughs> it's good. Dude, unbelievable. You made that look so easy, man. Man, yeah, so I'll, I'll tell you what, love. real quick. So I'll in our fantasy it. league, we do top four to playoffs, bottom four to the SACO championship. I don't know if you ever watched the, the show, The League, but we get it from that. Like, they can, like I guess if you lose two games, you're the SACO champions. You get nothing but a lot of – you have to, you, you get a lot of punishments throughout the offseason. I had to win. I had to win this matchup to avoid going to those playoffs, the Sacco playoffs. Right, right. And I won one thirty three point one two to one thirty two point nine four. Oh my god! I am free for another year. <laughs> I plan on it, man. You should send Justin Tucker. I said some very, very interesting things today to Justin Tucker. So. All right, you too, man. All right, bro. Well, I'll definitely talk to you.